Hi there, and welcome to the Beatle Brothers Podcast. Brian and Joe Flynn are from Ireland. They're lifelong Beatles fans. In this series of podcasts, they reflect on the life and times, the influence and the immortal music of the Fab Four. This is an essential listen for all fans of the Beatles. Hello there, and welcome to another podcast from the fabulous Beatle Brothers. Today, myself and the bro are going to look at what, what would be the makeup of and we're going to call it the Beatles' Greatest Hits album. Now, there is one proviso that is that is I have to point out, and that is that no track can appear on this album that was ever released anywhere as a single, be that A side or B side. So it has to be something that wasn't released on the market as a single. And in order to get a feel for this, what we did was we decided to submit a list of 18 tracks to each other, and these would, these would be the ones we would recommend. Now, we're only going to put 16 on the album. So what we did is we submitted this, the 18, and then we found the tracks that were in common. So we're going to say that these are deemed elected. And as it turned out, and funnily enough, there were 11 in common. Of the 16 that we need, we already have 11, which means we have to find the elusive five. So if I begin by just quickly outlining the 11 that we have in common. And then we'll get down to the nitty gritty of arguing to and fro. We'll take the seven that he, that the bro submitted and then the seven that I submitted and we'll, we'll argue about them and see which makes the grade. So here's the list so far. These are the 11 that we had in common. The first one is things we said today. I wouldn't see any problem there. I think most people would, would agree with that. Nowhere man equally so. There are then two that I wonder about, bro. I'm only sleeping from Revolver and also from Revolver and Your Bird Can Sing. Would you think they, they would surprise people? They would. Uh, isn't it funny that they're both on the same album? Uh, I, I would think they would, would uh, surprise people because a lot of people, unless they're very serious people, mightn't even know the songs that well. And yes, when you listen to them, you the moment you hear them, you will know them. I think they're both very, uh, very strong songs. I'm only sleeping. It's John Lennon at his most. It's it's kind of a a, a prequel, I suppose, or uh, yeah, it would be a prequel to Strawberry Fields, in that it's John during his lazy lying on the couch period, which is a period where he came up with some great material. Uh, and your bird can sing as much the same uh, the same thing. It's it's also a period, I mean, I'm, I'm going to have to be straight and honest here. Both of these songs are influenced and informed by drug taking. Mm-hmm. Well, specifically um, marijuana. And it's just that period in the Beatles' career, the Help album, um, Revolver and Rubber Soul before that, they were smoking a lot of marijuana in that period. And it does influence what they did. But it influences in a good way, I would say. So yeah. those songs are part of that period. And all I can say is if, if you doubt it, have a listen to them. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you. I think that they'll surprise people, perhaps. I've also almost thought that And Your Bird Can Sing was part one of uh, a, a double, the, the second half of it being uh, She Said, She Said. Uh, I'm not sure about that. Well, they're very they're similar sort of, songs. They're, they're guitar, yeah. electric guitar songs. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 one of the things about Andrew Bird can sing that I love is that the, 
they get, there's a great lift that runs right is, through yeah. that song. Yeah. It's it's like it's it, they, they they were great. The Beatles were great guitarists, yeah. and there's a great riff that runs through it. In the same way as there was a great riff that ran through "I Feel Fine," John and George playing in unison, right. and. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure that it's uh, there would be that big a connection between... But anyway, it's just... Uh, just but okay, the next one, let's continue on down. The next one is uh, okay. Lucy in the Sky. I don't think that will surprise anyone. No argument. Um, and then I would say that there are two that would be on anybody's album. Um, the first one being She's Leaving Home and the second uh, Back in the USSR from the White Album. Um we also have Here Comes the Sun, which won't surprise anybody, The Long and Winding Road, um, and Fool on the Hill. I, I think you could you maybe question Fool on the Hill, but it would be either that or your mother should know. It's one of those McCartney-type beautiful songs. But the last one we had of the 11 might surprise people again. And we've spoken about this before when we looked at the White Album. And it's Martha, my dear. You think that might surprise people? I think it definitely will surprise people. Uh, but again, and it's strange, I'm just saying this off the top of my head. The answer to this is listen to it. It's it's a song. You see, the problem, the thing about the White Album is, and I'm only learning that now this late in the day, is that there are so many great songs on the White Album that you can easily overlook something. And Martha, my dear, comes at the beginning, as far as I remember, the original album, the way it was divided into four sides. Martha, my dear, is the first track on side two. That's correct, yeah. And it's, it, side one is the strongest side on the White Album. I think everyone would agree with that. So it's, it's a bit of a, it's hard to follow it up, but uh, it's, it's a beautiful song. It's very intricate. It's very, the, it, it is a quite complicated song. Mm. And yet it is a beautiful song to listen to. Mm. So I, I would, it, it's, in another way of putting it is McCartney at his very best. It has nothing to do with anybody else in the Beatles apart from Bob McCartney. Yeah, I think I think your 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 suggestion that people listen to it if they're not convinced would be a good one. But anyway, there the yeah. we came up with. Um, I I knew we would coincide on a certain amount. Perhaps I didn't think it might be as high as eleven. Okay, so let's get into the nitty gritty then. The ones that the ones that we we need to argue about. I'll take the first one that I had that wasn't common to put was All My Lovin'. I think I put in All My Lovin' because I think it's a very cheery song. It's from early on in their career, which was, I think, on With The Beatles. It was With The Beatles, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a very, for me, it's a very McCartney-type song. It's, it's, it's his very cheerful sort of outlook in life in general. Um, and it bops along pretty well. It doesn't say very much, but a lot of their earliest stuff didn't. But it somehow... It, 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 it represents the Beatles very well in their early in their early stages of their career. But you you don't agree? Well, it's not that I don't. I, in a way, I don't agree. I mean, if if there's a couple of things about that song that I would take issue with. One, the the guitar solo in the middle of it does nothing for me whatsoever. It seems lazy. It seems sloppy. If you're going to take all my loving, and I, I agree, the melody is lovely in it. There is another song that came a little earlier from McCartney called P.S. I Love You, which I think is equally as good a song and possibly a better melody. The lyrics at that point in any of these songs are infantile, so it doesn't really matter. But I, I think All, All My Lovin' has a lovely melody. There's no doubt about it. But it's kind of in some way unresolved. And that the, there's a laziness about the middle of that song, including the, uh, the, the solo. It just seems yeah. it's somewhere wrong to me. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't agree with you at all, actually, on the on the PSI Love You. I think PSI Love You, it's a nice, a nice little song, inverted commas, but it's much more juvenile than than uh, All My Loving. It's it's a okay. it's a very early sort of uh, hard trobby types type. That's, you know, it's a bit it's too sugary uh, by a long way for me. But All My Loving is a is a much more professional job. But look, um, you know, I, I love it. Maybe the heart rule in the head. Um, we we leave it out. It doesn't it doesn't make. I'm not going to put a big a big yes on it anyway. So far, let's pop down to the first one on your list that we didn't coincide on, and, and it actually is a great song. It's a song called "There's a Place," and it's a very early song from Please Please Me. Um, mm-hmm. And um, I've I've listened to it again actually. Um, and yeah, there's there's. There's what I think is 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 worthwhile about it. Well, one of the main things I think is worthwhile about it is that it's actually the lyric in it is important. The lyric is is a fairly mature lyric for considering the fact that it was on the on their first album. Would you agree? That's probably one. Yeah, of the you see, it, it's 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 on their very first album. It's it's only John and Paul doing the harmonies on it. The harmonies are amazing, absolutely amazing. The song is a. <clears throat> There was another band at the time that were comparable in some ways to the Beatles, the Beach Boys. They had a song, which I also love big time, called In My Room. It's the very same thing, really. It's the same concept, complete the same. The lyrics are slightly different, but the meaning is exactly the same. It, it, It has one thing different to most of the songs at that early period, is that the lyrics mean something. Most of the Beatles' early lyrics were infantile. She loves you, I love you, and my, you know, I love you so much. But uh, there's a place has something different. It's kind of this is where I get away from all the, you know what. So I, I think it's it's worthy musically, vocally, and lyrically as well. Yeah. Okay. I, I, like I say, it 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 passed me by the first time I did the list. I, I in fact, I admit I would never have put it in, but. Then when I saw your list, I went back to, to, to listen again to the ones that we didn't have in common. Um, and I've changed my mind completely. Um, now, this that that certainly will surprise people for us to put that. It also, here. by the way, if I may jump in here, it has something that a lot of these early songs have. It has an incredible drumming from Ringo. And the drumming in these early Beatles songs lifts them from, in some cases, from being regular rock songs to being really dynamic rock songs without getting any way technical about it. I think his drumming is one of the most underrated things in the very early Beatles songs. Well, and to right, right through their career, I would, I would, I would extend mm. that for the entirety of their career. He's the most, he's one of the most underrated. Uh, he is. He is. <clears throat> he is and, yeah. and people so often dismiss him because of the personality that he had, the clowning about and everything. But as a beat master, uh, there are a few better. Absolutely. But we no, no, he, 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 the thing is, he said he made the song better. He didn't make himself better. He made the song better. Yeah, that's a good. Way and a perfect that. example of that is, is there's a place. Yeah. OK, look, but, but I, I think that's going in. I think that's we found one of the five. The next one I had, and I, I will fight this one, is um, from the album Hard Day's Night, my favorite album, big album. It's a song called Anytime At All. And again, bearing in mind that it's in the first five, that set of early albums, um, doesn't tell an awful lot in terms of it lyric, but the powerhouse voice of John Lennon in this. I don't think there's, I don't think there's a, there's a, 
well, there's maybe one or two other Beatles tracks that show off his voice to the same extent, but he was he was in his prime at that time. He was still a young guy, um, and I just love it. I think it has to be in it. Defines the Beatles in their early stages, and I I think it would have been incredible to hear that hear them perform it live. Yeah, I mean, I I, <clears throat> I didn't put it in, and I'll tell you why. I don't think it's 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 that amazing a song as a song. It's, it's it's kind of a to me it would be sound like a bit like a Motown song. They were all huge Motown fans, but one thing I will have to agree with straight off is John Lennon's vocals. And when John Lennon was on fire vocally, I don't know if there's ever been anybody, with the possible exception of Elvis, who could match him. And I mean anybody. Now the the, the vocals on any time at all are 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 if you've never heard it, listen just sit and just listen, wait for his vocals. They're amazing. The only song that would better it, and we can't use it because they didn't write it, is on is on the first album, and that's uh, uh, "Twist and Shout." Shout, yeah, yeah, and and but John Lennon's vocals were a weapon that the Beatles had. Paul's Paul's vocals were amazing, but John's were were unique. Yeah, rock and, even rock and, and on that music. song, on that song, his unique vocals come into their own. Having said that, I don't think that the that the song itself has all that much going. I mean, lyrically, nothing. Uh, all that much going for it. It sounds to me like something the Four Tops would have done, which is nothing. I love the Four Tops. But yeah, be good. That, that's that's a, a good comparison. I, I would. It uh, is. I think a lot of the Beatles. The Beatles were big Motown fans. Yeah. Mm. Well, okay. We well, look. We we'll leave it float. I'm not cancelling that one yet. I'm not putting a line. But the vocals are amazing. I admit. Yeah, they really are. Um, your next song is that you proposed, uh, which I, I think is just doesn't make this list at all, Brian. Uh, you're going to lose that girl from what was it, Help? Um, it was from Help, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if if all my loving is trivial enough, my God, you're going to lose that girl to me is also trivial. I don't know. What, what, okay. is, what do you define as the strength of that song? More developed than all your all my loving. Better vocals now. The lead the, in in all my love and the lead vocal is Paul, and you're going to lose that girl. The the lead vocal is John, but the harmony, the ensemble harmony singing. The beat one of the Beatles' many, and you could list a hundred of them, but one of their many many strengths was their harmonies. When they had John, Paul, and George doing harmony, it was when it clicked. It was amazing, and it clicks, and you're going to lose that girl. Also, it has a very, very, very strong middle eight. Yeah, it has. A Whereas all my love and had a weak middle eight. Yeah, um, but it's 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 in terms of its lyrical content, it's 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 garbage. Actually. The lyrics, the lyrics are basic. They, mm. uh, we mentioned uh, uh, there's a place earlier on. There's a place was a little a little out of place in that it had a very very interesting lyric. A lot of the Beatles early, if if you go back, it goes as far as. The first four or five albums, up until Rubber's Soul. The oh, yeah, five really, albums. The first five They didn't albums. really care yeah. that much about lyrics. Now, yeah. there are songs that they're exception to that. One would definitely be Help. But, but uh, the, the lyrics weren't a huge thing. Then they became absolutely central after the beginning of Rubber Soul. But you're going to lose that girl, while, which was on the album previous, Help. While it didn't have brilliant lyrics, it, it makes a brilliant sound. And I, a lot of the Beatles' early songs sound a little bit innocent today. You're going to lose that girl. It still sounds great to me, harmony-wise. Well, harmony-wise, maybe in performance, but not when you listen to the lyrics. 
Still, though, there's nothing that makes a stand. You're going to get rid of this, aren't you? Yeah, you're going to get rid of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's fine. going in the bin. It's going in the bin because I just when when I look at the list that that's of the ones we have to discuss, it's nowhere near as strong as most of them. I I don't anyway. Okay. Look, okay. It's gone. It's gone. I'm I'm going to push that one. And um, the next one that I had that you didn't have surprised me, and it's Dear Prudence from the White Album. Um. I think Dear Prudence, beautiful song. It's Lennon at his best. It's a it's a beautiful guitar figuration. Um, it's all the Indian thing and the Donovan thing. Um, there's even a story, an interesting story behind the, the lyric for what it was. But it <clears throat> it's a perfect example of their their mid period, the White Album period, the Indian sort of experience. Um, I think it's gorgeous. I think it's well played. Uh, I think it deserves to be, it, it's like I say, whereas um, there's a place represents the early stages of the Beatles, I think something like Dear Prudence epitomizes the, 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 the middle part of their career. Well, now let me say something here. You see, <clears throat> if, if you remember, and it was your idea to come up with this thing of, of tracks on albums that weren't singles. And I said, oh man, try to pick 18 tracks could give you another 18 tracks that would be as good, if not better. And that's a, a, a perfect example of it, Dear Prudence. Dear Prudence is one of the best songs I know. And, and yet I didn't include it in the 18 tracks, which will give you some idea of, of the strength of music we're, we're working with here. It is a great song. And it's funny that, that uh, I've, I've been reading a book at the moment called The Beatles Anthology, which I, I hadn't read before. And it, it tells a lot of stories about the period where the Beatles went to India and they hung out with people like some of the Beach Boys and, and very much with Donovan. And Donovan taught them, Donovan uh, uh, hung out with Paul Simon and uh, some of the British, uh, uh, I can't think of the guy's name now, Davy uh, Graham, some of these great British folk guitarists. Bert Janis. Bert, Bert Janis as well. And they, he picked up a particular tuning of the guitar, which I think was a drop D tuning, which Paul used brilliantly on Blackbird. But he taught that to John and Paul. And there are actually photographs in this book I have, the anthology book, where you see him, Donovan, actually teaching John Lennon the chords, how to play it this way. And it was an amazing period. They went there and they wrote some absolute, well, they wrote half of the White, White Album. And one of the songs they wrote was 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 this one, and uh, it's it's a great song. It's very atmospheric. So though I didn't put it in, I have absolutely no opposition to it. Okay, you, okay, I feel, I feel it's a great great song. The only problem I have with what we're doing is that there are only eighteen tracks or sixteen tracks, whatever it is allowed. Yeah. I could give you fifty. No, no, I, I appreciate that, and the same applies. Um, because I'm going to lose some of these that I, I think I, I, I shouldn't. But it's an impossible task. Okay. In a lot of so we're agreed on Dear Prudence. That's so we're agreed on Dear Prudence. It definitely should be there. Yeah. Okay. So so far we've got we've got two. We've got two of the five in Dear Prudence. And we need five. All right. And there's a place. Okay. And any time at all is still in the wings, waiting to pop in. Your next one, Brian, is an album from the album Revolver. Another beautiful song. It's a song called For No One. And I mm -hmm. think this would, this would definitely surprise people um, because they wouldn't be expecting this. So uh, you're on, you're, you're on, kiddo. Justify it. Well, well, I, 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 you know the way sometimes you have a bad feeling about something. When you, I know you're not going to accept this. 
but uh, I, I love the song and it's I may have been influenced a little bit uh, by a cover now there are there are a couple of Beatles songs which have spawned incredible covers obviously everybody knows little help my friend Joe Cocker but for no one there's a cover by Emmylou Harris which is all I can say is I recommend you listen to it and she shows you what an incredible song it is. I think that's another thing that a great cover does. It shows you how great the original is. And Emily Harris's version of, of For No One does that. Um, it's it's the, the, the same you could say for Sergio Mendes' version of The Food on the Hill. But uh, the song is beautifully structured. It's, it, it's, McCartney is a great, great man for melody. And here's a great example of it. Strangely enough, it ends kind of weirdly, the song. It doesn't end as you, as you would imagine a, a song to end. It ends kind of halfway through a song. But defending it with the standard of song we're talking about here is quite difficult because it is. it could as well be a Paul McCartney solo song. Yeah, That's I, a problem I, all. Yeah. I First of all, I, I, I'm disappointed you think I would throw it out. I, I adore the song. I absolutely mm. love the song, and you do make a very relevant point about Amy, Amy Lou's cover, and I agree with you totally. Um, it is a fantastic cover, though, though quite different. But I, I, I don't think anybody ever needed to cover it. I think that the, the version that McCartney and and George Martin produced, because essentially that's who did it, um, on the on the on the album itself. I, I don't think you could you could beat it. It's 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 one of the high points of Revolver, which is a high point album. Um, however, yeah, there's the, an, the thing about Revolver is, and, and, and it's another thing about Revolver that I've realized lately is, is <clears throat> excuse me, that apart from uh, many other qualities of Revolver, is that there's an atmosphere built up on that album. It sounds mad and very over the top to say that, but there is. The songs seem to kind of fit into each other in some way. It's, it's as if you're, it's the only other person I can think of that gets a feel like that is John Martin on that one of his albums, uh, 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 Solid Air, which is one of the most amazing albums ever. And you feel like you're, you've moved it, walked into a pub or a club, and when it's over, you walk out in the daylight again or the nightlight. It's the same with Revolver. It, dry, it brings you in. And For No One is very, very central in there. Now, on its own, in the light of day, played suddenly at 10 o'clock in the morning on the radio, it might not have that that appeal, that strength that it has on the album. I still think it's a great song. I don't think it's going to make the five that we're looking for, but I, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it in as the five, to be honest. Though I, I, as I say, I do love the song. And I think I was well, that a bit over the top. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, I would, I would agree with that. I would agree with the relevance of of its its part on a, on an amazing album. Um, I've always seen that album as the, the 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 Lennon songs on that album for me stand out because they're essentially guitar songs. They're, they 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 went back to playing electric guitars as a rock and roll band. There isn't so much evidence of acoustic guitars on Revolver. Um, for example, the one the songs that we've talked about, um, uh, Anya Bird can sing. She said, she said, Doctor Robert. These were these were Lennon songs, and um, it was up to McCartney to produce the beauty, uh, and which he did. And it's it, funny enough, it came at a time when Lennon's writing at the time, if I recall, was was he was much more prolific than than McCartney was being, and um, he his output was much more than McCartney was, but. 
it, you know, McCartney comes back with something like that. I think it's a glorious song, but should it be on the, and it, it is the Beatles we're talking about as ever. Uh, I don't think so, Brian. It just doesn't jump out enough. All right, okay. It's I a lovely song. It's, yeah, 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 it's yeah. gone in the bin. Uh, sorry, Paul. There again, I'm 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 anti Paul. I'm not anti Paul. Um, I'm going to. Lose. I just hope you never meet. I just hope you never meet him in a pub in Liverpool. I know. That's all I say. He probably wouldn't. Yeah, I wouldn't worry about him. It's his mind as I'd worry about. The next song, Brian, <laughs> I already concede defeat on it because I will admit that my heart ruled my head. It's a George Harrison song from the White Album called "Long, Long, Long," and most people listening to me suggest that would say, you clown. I mean, what are you talking about? Because there's very few people would. I just happen to love love the song. It's a song that's based on Dylan's uh, It's Not I, Lady of the Lowlands um, from uh, Camp London. It is, it I is. I remember yeah. the album. But um, it's just a bit, it's, it's a George song. Uh, it's beautifully performed and all the wackiness of it. Uh, I just love it, but it, it it really has no place in this. So I don't think we'll waste time on it. I don't. You wouldn't have put it in anyway. I know. So no, I'm but but uh, no, I wouldn't. It is, it is based on "Sad I Lo- uh, Lady of the Lowlands." Uh, <clears throat> it it is atmospheric, and I mean the the White Album is. It's only now I realize some of the comments from people like Phil in that I, I've read lately that said the White Album is the greatest moment ever. It is an amazing, amazing album, and you can go back to it over and over again. It's a great song, but in, in of the standard of what we're looking for, I don't think it quite makes it. One of the weaknesses, if it is a weakness in it, to me, is George's singing. Well, yeah, I mean, but you know, that's 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 part of the beauty of it. I remember, I remember, I would have been what fifteen when that when we were listening to that first, and I remember whatever it was, fifty three, uh, eight is <laughs> whatever. No. Nice try, though. Um, I remember sitting in a bed at home in our where, where we were born, and I remember, low, yeah. I remember listening to that song in particular. It fascinated me because it was different than the others. I couldn't make it out at first, um, and it was just it was haunting. That's the word I'm looking for. It was a haunting song. It is haunting. It is, and it has it has a, a very funny ending, which is kind of I won't go into now, but it has a kind of funny reason. But yes. uh, it is haunting. There are several haunting songs on that album. Another one you could have thrown in there was Cry Baby Cry. It, the very same way, very haunting as well. So it, it is, I wouldn't put it into this list of five songs we're looking for. No, Brian, when you consider that we didn't put, uh, f- from from my memory, we didn't put uh, Cry Baby Cry in, into the best songs on the White Album, I don't think we'd be able to put it in here. Okay, no, your, wouldn't. your next song, Brian, is... It's not going to make it either, Brian. I'd be blunt, but it's a lovely song. It's Your Mother Should Know. Um, I think that was from Magical Mystery Tour, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, yeah. It, it's, even if it doesn't make it, it's a beautiful song. And I tell you, it's, it's a beautiful melody. It's, again, we're, we're talking about Martha, my dear, with Paul, yeah. or Honey Pie with Paul, or When I'm 64, or, or The Fool on the Hill, obviously. Paul could write, he could do something that John possibly couldn't. Oh, that's wrong to say that too, because he did it. They'd keep defying what you say Paul could write incredible melodies you know you'd, you'd hear a whole classical album and you wouldn't hear a melody as good as that's what's on your mother should know it's just the way to me this is my opinion it just sounds absolutely brilliant uh, it, I can see where it came from it was one of these songs like, like I mentioned Honey Pie when I'm 64 it, it, it has a retro feel now it has a retro feel now it had a retro feel when it was done 50 plus years ago 
there was a, there was a, a, a fashion at that end, tail end of the 60s for old Edwardian and Victorian sounds. Uh, and there was a band called the, the New Vaudeville Band who had several hits like Winchester Cathedral and Peekaboo and songs like that, uh, which, which specialised in that. And that's kind of where that was coming from. I think it's a beautiful melody. And the, the lyrics, although simple, are very effective. Now, that's my defence on that one. Yeah, okay, it's a fair defence. It won't win the case for you, but um, I, I agree with you. It's a beautiful song. It's pure McCartney and Mr. Melody. Nobody could touch the guy as far as Melody. No. Turning these things out. But it's it's not, it certainly isn't the best of that genre of McCartney songs for me. And so I don't, I don't, I think with respect, we'll, we'll, we'll pass over it. The next one that I had, um, well, gee, this one, the two of us from the from the Let It Be album, which doesn't get much feature, either the album or two of us. Um, without without going on and on about it, I I love it for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's it it was a, a track that appeared at the end of their career, but which totally for me reflected the beginning of their career. And could he just as easily have sat in in any of the of the first five albums? Um, it's also it's also one of the best harmonies between John and Paul that that I think it, it, they left to us. Um, it's a simple song. It's almost an acoustic song. It's almost a live session. Uh, there's something there's something live about it. You can imagine being, being in the studio, listening to them or at, a, or at a concert, listening to them do this. There's a live feel about it, which I love. Um, it's very simple, but it's well executed. But I think the reason I love it is because it's nostalgic in the extreme. But it's also, it's the harmony. To me, it's as good a harmony between those two voices as you experienced in the Middle Age in We Can Work It Out, which, which to me is one of the best examples of, of Lennon and McCartney's voice. Now, I know you're a great champion of George being the, the David Crosby in the setup, and I accept that. But those two guys, to me, harmonizing in both of those songs is sublime. There's nothing like it. And maybe it's not technically deserves to be in here but I just love it. I love it. I love yeah, it. Yeah, no, no, I agree. And it's funny, you were talking about George fitting into the harmonies. When George harmonizes and when they organize it well, it's, it's perfect. But it is also perfect in songs where there's no George. I'll give you an example now, just off the top of my head, of that is Ticket to Ride, which is, is, is apt. If the more you listen to it, the more you realize the incredible harmony that John and Paul on their own manage. But uh, uh, the two of us is like that as well. I've always thought of the two of us, although, and I've worked out the, the, the chronology of this, of being unplugged 20 years, 24 years ahead of its time. It's, it, to me, it sounds like it's very stripped down. It's just, a, it's, it's acoustic guitar, really. I think there's a drum in it as well, but it's, I totally, uh, agree. I totally agree it's very, that. very, very stripped down, very bare. It's a strange album anyway, Let It Be, because although it wasn't their last album they recorded, but it was a throwaway album, I think. There's, and a lot of it harks back, as you mentioned, to their early days. I'll give you an example now, if you just take off the top of my head, Get Back is something they could have been doing in Hamburg. Uh, the one after 909 is something they did do in Hamburg. Yeah. And the two of us, there's a lot of things like that that are just... The, 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 you know, they even go back to their, their childhood days, Dirty Maggie May, all that kind of stuff. So it has that kind of a, let's get, and I know that's what John wanted to do and what they, they agreed to do was 
stop all the production and just get very the, the, the album was originally going to be called Get Back and it was going to be just no overdubs no jiggly right? yeah, no but it, that was all bullshit like Apple you know that, that never could have worked and, and Abbey Road did work when they stopped all that but yeah the two of us it, it's great harmony it's very simple but does it stand up to, to if you're looking for 15 of the or 16 of the greatest album tracks ever I would say no it depends. See if if it depends. If if you took a if you took if you looked at this as a sort of a, a history of their career. In other words, if you if you started at the early albums, which we didn't do, but if you started at the early albums and worked your way through, I think it would be a very it would be a strange song because it could fit in on the first three tracks and it could equally sit in at the last three. Um, it would be very distinctive in that respect. Technically, no, but let's just leave it open for the minute. We we have to find. I've, all, I've always wondered. Just just the last thing about that song, and I, I've said this before. I've always wondered what that song would sound like had it got a, a more intricate production. Had it ended up on on Abbey Road, for instance, I you can imagine someone like had George Martin been given more time with it, which he wasn't given any time. He wasn't involved, or had somebody like Jeff Lynne come along and and and, and had a go at it. I think it would have stood up melody-wise to a bigger production. And yet, it's kind of nice that that's what we have. I think it would have, I think it would have ruined it, Brian. I think it would have... It may have ruined it, yeah. I mean, it's... I mean, and, and a lot of people have asked, There's no nobody knows exactly what the song is about. To me, it's about John and Paul talking about themselves. Well, definitely for me it is. I mean, I'm 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 forever going to tell myself that because it would absolutely shatter me if it was about anything else. And I've I've read all the John John said it once it was about him and Yoko. Ah, come on, Brian, give me a break. <laughs> I know. Oh, I'm moving too. right along. So you, look, you're not allowing me that, ain't okay? I'm not putting the line through because it. of because of the version of it. It's too very very simple. Well, I think that's that's part of its strength, but you're you're missing. Mm, I know, yeah, yeah. That's part of it. Anyway, your next song is uh, from the I don't know what what album. It's Girl. What what album is Girl? From? Rubber Soul. Rubber, Rubber Soul. Soul. <clears throat> and you yeah. know something? Uh, the more the, it's funny. We're only going through these now live, and we haven't done that before. I'm just thinking suddenly of Girl versus the two of us. And I don't know if we're allowed to revise our opinions you want live. To out, Brian, you want to chicken out? I don't want to chicken anything. But I'm just thinking, I mean, like I said to you, and I still stand by that, we could do 30 of these rather than 15. Course, we yeah. could do 45 of them rather than 15. But uh, um, Girl, what I love about Girl is the melody. I don't and 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 as nearly always in these songs, I love John Lennon's vocals. Yeah, you don't think, I think it's all the all the messing that they did on the track sort of sort of slightly belittles it in in no in no no joint, not in the, there, the there are stuff and all that kind of juvenile no characters. there's this this the songs where that does I mean what do you call that song uh, paperback writer I think the backing vocals from John and George where they're giggling and sneering really although it sounds great that kind of takes from it a bit I don't think so in girl I know the thing the tit 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 part. But nobody noticed that at the time. It's, they, nobody noticed it until they told. And um, it's it's a lovely melody. It's an unusual melody, an unusual tempo, the song. Uh, I, I I think it's a great song, but it's very hard to explain this in words. It lacks something, and I'm not sure what the something is, because the lyrics are quite good. 
The lyrics are mid-period Beatle lyrics and they're good, especially the last verse is quite good lyric. I would argue, but I know it's not going to end up with one of the five songs. Yeah, I, so I'm I wasting my time. I, I don't think it is either, Brian, because I'm just looking at what we have left. We have four songs left and, and both of yours... Well, you better move along then. Yeah, yeah. Okay, if you don't mind, I'm, I'm going to leave, girl. Um, I'm going to go back to... The, uh, to let's just deal with the last, because time is, time is getting tight. Let's deal with the last two of mine and then we'll address two of yours, because I think... Though I hate to say it, I think yours are stronger. The two songs... Well, mine mine uh, are probably more profound, Joe, yeah. Oh, definitely <laughs> more profound, Brian, uh, knowing you. Um, the two that I've got left are uh, one from Hard Days Night, which is And I Love Her, and the mm. second one is from the White Album, and it's John, it's John's uh, ode to his mother, uh, Julia. Now, taking the first one first, probably And I Love Her would, wouldn't have made this at all. I, I realise that now. Why did I put it in? Because it's a completely beautiful song. It's it's a perfect song. It had to be because it beautiful was, melody. It's it's one of these. I think Anna Lover has had like hundreds, five or six hundred covers. It's yeah. it's McCartney at his very best melody wise. Yeah. The lyrics are nothing in my estimation, but um, uh, it, it 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 Paul was able to carry a song purely on melody even early on, and and the the hardest night album is impossible. There's there's no bad track on it. And 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 I love her isn't a bad track. It's a great track. I don't think it deserves to be in the those no, five I, songs. I don't think so either. I don't think so either. I'll make a better case for my last uh, option, which is Julia, primarily a John Lennon song, uh, because the White Album, as I think you pointed out here in one of the earlier podcasts, was effectively uh, four guys using or three guys using session musicians, which I think is a bit heavy. Actually, I don't I don't quite agree with that. But not on every song. No. Julia is a. It's first of all, it's a beautiful. Um, it's a beautiful sentiment. Who, who it's about and what the song is about is 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 beautiful. It's Lennon at his very best. It's at his float. He's <coughs> that floatiness that he can find. Um, I think that was also based on Donovan's uh, guitar um, style. That tuning. He, they talk, yeah, yeah. The yeah. tunings. Um, does it deserve to be on the greatest stage? I would, I would argue that it does, even though it is primarily John. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm. It's funny now. I'm just like I said, I'm doing this live with you here, and I'm, I'm listening to that song in my head, and I can find very little wrong with it. It's a absolute. I mean, even Paul, who had nothing to do with it, really, said it was, it was heartbreakingly beautiful song. It is a brilliant, brilliant song. It's it's in the same genre of songs with John as 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 uh, in my life, and a better song. Yeah, it's a beautiful. It's so a I I lyric. would I I can find I I have no argument against Julia. There's nothing that I can say wrong with that song. Well, in that case, then I'm going to I'm going to uh, go on in that case. Why didn't I include this? <laughs> I don't like know. Julia. So this is the situation going into the last five minutes of normal time of five songs we needed to find we we have found four they are there's a place yeah dear prudence yep julia yep and any time at all yep now you see the way i snuck in any time at all there even though i'd only left it open so we need one song from the last two of yours and i i just it's definitely there the two songs you have you've just mentioned one of them from Rubber Soul, which is in my life. Um, mm -hmm. There's so much written about this song, about 
how how it came to be there and they were going to write this and they did all the all the names in a row and all of that it's a beautiful song without dwelling on it i i there's two things i'd say about it number one and this is this is a terrible thing to say but i'm going to put myself up and say it anyway i don't think it's a good recording i don't like i don't think the version that they did particularly the drumming which is very strange to say because i'm a huge supporter of of ringo I don't think the drumming was good in it. I think that the, the, what they produced was 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 slightly simplistic. It didn't do the song justice. I've also always had the same opinion of here, there, and everywhere. I don't think I don't think they made a good job of that. But it anyway. made something. It, it probably had something to do with the technology at the time. Uh, uh, I, I understand what you mean. It's and and also when you hear like. There are songs from that period when you hear covers, you wonder why they didn't do X, Y, and Z. <clears throat> and particularly since they had George Martin steering them. It could have been, they had, they had very simplistic technology in Abbey Road at that time. They could have, at that period, gone to America and recorded on 8-track. But they never did. Yeah, well, it I mean, you, 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 you mentioned earlier on the, the advantage of bringing in somebody like Jeff Lynn. Um, yeah, I, I think that I think maybe I, it'd be interesting to see what he would have done. I'm always a bit dodgy about the, the overproduction. Uh, I prefer to have something minimal than. Oh yeah, yeah. You keep it simple. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. In my life, I think I think a good producer could have done could have done other things, but maybe they were in a hurry. Maybe they were rushed. So who knows? Um, yeah, it's very possible because. It is, it is like, uh, for instance, a string, and George, George Martin was a genius for bringing in classical musicians, string quartets, French horns, yeah. oboes, whatever it might be. Yes, I agree that that song could have, you can see where a string quartet could have worked there, but there wasn't. And, he, and the funny thing is he did bring them in, but he didn't overdo it. He normally got it right. He normally got it right, with the possible exception, I, I would say, of of uh, of the last track on Sergeant Pepper, which I think is complete and utter overindulgence. Listen, we've got to finish up, and I think we've got the fifth one. I think we're just about to look at the fifth song. It's on your list, and it's a classic, and I, I couldn't argue against it. It's from early stages, first album, Please Please Me, and it's the classic. It's actually the opening track on the opening album of the Beatles, and it's A Star Standing There. Um, and it's a writer. It's an absolute bomb of a song. Yeah. I, I, strangely enough, uh, I saw her standing there. It's probably, and a lot of the first album would be like this. It's probably the closest we will ever get to knowing what the Beatles were like at their height live. And that would have been in Hamburg. <clears throat> and that was the song they played in Hamburg. And it even, I mean, it's live. The whole first album was done live anyway, and it's even counted in one, two, three, four. So it is, but but as a young, they were all, they would have been all in their 21 or 22 at the time. It just bounces with energy, but it bounces. Everyone that's ever talked about any of these early songs said, oh, they, band, they, they, they jump with energy and all that. They also jump with quality. Yeah, this this one thing to be able to go with energy. It's another thing to be able to go with total quality. The Beatles were perfectionists. They never ever put out anything that even one of them didn't agree was perfect. That's yeah, overlooked there's, there's, there's all that, the time. There's a beautiful, there's a beautiful piece. If if you, it, well, that's a little bit unusual in the middle eight, um, where they actually they actually they they're going upwards, right, on the notes and. 
Yeah. Uh, and they suddenly, where most bands would have stopped, and yet they they go one more step. If the you yeah. know, yeah. Um, I'm yeah. a home the you know, they go that. Yeah. You don't expect that, even yeah. at that stage. The first song. But that's that, that that would some that that's one of the things about them. They never accepted the normal limit. They would say always say, "Let's go one step farther and see what would happen." It was like. <clears throat> When, when, when Paul was writing yesterday, when he had written it, he was playing it to George Martin. And George Martin said, oh, he asked him, what will we put in and blah, blah. And George said, well, Paul said, I'd love, I can't remember what it was. He said, I'd love a, 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 a cello to play blah, blah, what did that bit? And George said, a cello would never play that. That would be totally unsuitable. And Paul said, right, put it in there. That was, that is, that's, that's the genius of the thing. Be, nobody would do it. Let's do it. See what happens. It's it's also the the courage of youth and maybe oh yeah sure the, the fact sure. that they were scared of nothing. Uh, but I mean they 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 knew how where they were. Anyway, listen, look, it's the time's running on. Let me just summarize then what our sixteen tracks are for the Beatles' greatest hits, except for something that appeared on a single. And the tracks are as follows: Things We Said Today, Nowhere Man. I'm only sleeping, and your bird can sing, Lucy in the sky, she's leaving home, back in the USSR, Martha, my dear, here comes the sun, the long and winding road, fool on the hill, and then the ones we've just argued about, the five there are anytime at all, dear Prudence, there's a place, Julia, and I saw her standing there. And I think that's, that's there's 16 whacking good tracks from the Beatles. Yeah, and inter- just listening to you, to you list them off there, it's interesting. They're beautifully spread over all the albums. There's, there's more from the White Album, but the White Album was a double album. But otherwise, they're spread perfectly over all their albums. Yeah, and I actually... With the exception of Beatles for Sale. Yeah, but but would you not also think that that what surprises me is that there there are so many of the earlier ones. There's things like there's a place. Um, mm. you'd, you'd imagine that they, they they would be the majority of them would be from the White Album, uh, Pepper and and um, Abbey Road, but that's not the case. No, no, that's where I come in. You see, my choice. There's a place. You need me for these kind of things. All right, you okay. know, the unusual. That's as good. A, that's as good as. <laughs> Joe, I, I, I'll summarise and I'll, I'll finish my contribution to this particular podcast with the following comment. And I know I'm right about this. If tomorrow morning at nine o'clock you came along and said, "Do this again," and I said, with the proviso you're not allowed to use one song that you did yesterday, I could easily do it. Ah, you're just covering for yourself now. That won't work. Get it <laughs> okay, it's been, it's been fun. It's been fun. We'll pick it up it's again. It's been real. See you. Take care.